Resident Lighting Specialist to Arc Welcome to Residential Tech Talks. I'm Jeremy Glowacki, the Executive Editor of Residential Tech Today, and I'm pleased to have you join us for this week's podcast episode. Our guest today is business and operational expert Jason Sayin, who joins us from his home in warm and sunny Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Jason is the founder of I Am Sayin, a business consultancy that specializes in streamlining workflow efficiencies and offering innovative process management solutions tailored specifically for custom integration companies. With 27 years of experience in the custom integration industry, Jason's journey has encompassed diverse roles in manufacturing, distribution, and independent representation. If you've been following him on LinkedIn, you've likely noticed his frequent appearances as conference speakers and trainers over the past year. I had the pleasure of meeting Jason in person at last week's ASEAN Unlimited Fall Conference in Nashville, and I can tell you his insights and expertise are truly invaluable. In today's episode, we're going to dive deep into Jason's services and explore how his certification as a Lean Six Sigma professional provides a unique and data-driven perspective on helping CI businesses eliminate waste and, more importantly, transform problems into opportunities. Get ready for a fascinating conversation that promises to offer practical insights and strategies that can revolutionize the way custom integration companies operate. Jason Sayan, welcome to the podcast. Great to see you again in person. Great to see you again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we uh, we talked a little bit about what you did, and I I didn't have time to really deep dive. So, what better way than to do it in a podcast format where more than I hear about it, and maybe you know it's uh, an opportunity for companies to connect with you um, after this and see how you can work with them directly um, on their on their businesses and. Um, find out where you might be the next time in a, in a place doing a presentation. But um, for, before we get into all that, I, 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 I love to kind of know a person personally a little bit more on a podcast uh, if we haven't talked before. And uh, one of the things that uh, I, I loved hearing was that uh, we couldn't do a recording last Friday because you were taking the day with your family to go to Disney World, um, not too far away from you there in Florida and one of my family's favorite vacation destinations. So uh, what were some of the highlights there for you and the family on that uh, trip to Disney? So we, um, we've been, our daughter's 14. We've been going to Disney since she was, I think before she was two years old. Um, and then as she became a teenager, transitioned to Universal Studios, which anyone that's got a teenager can relate. Um, and so we actually went up to uh, Universal Studios for Halloween Horror Nights. Oh, right. Uh, okay. Which, if you if you haven't been is uh it's pretty cool it's a completely different experience than actually you know just going to ride the rides yeah yeah so i i got that wrong then you went to to universal yeah got it no problem yeah whenever you say orlando people just you know they think of disney yeah no it, it, you know oddly we have yet to go to universal we've just been so fixated on uh on magic kingdom and epcot and animal kingdom and magic and um it, uh, what is it uh Studio Hollywood Studios, Hollywood Studios, yeah. yeah. But um, uh, we we were holding off um, on getting my younger daughter to read Harry Potter before we went, and she decided, being the younger sister, that she was not going to read Harry Potter because her sister liked it. So <laughs> that kind of got in the way of that, and we just didn't do it. So um, I, I have seen, I've watched some of these videos um, of 
of local um, Orlando vloggers, you know, that go to the parks and do different events and things. And this one guy goes there for the, for the Halloween one. And uh, that's, that looks pretty cool. And I've been to the Disney version of it. Um, a lot of fun. We're going to be in magic kingdom for Christmas this year or after Christmas and see the holiday decorations. Looking forward to that. Yeah. We went one year around Christmas. Uh, it's been probably five plus years and it's Disney just does such a great job on those things. Just recreating the experience and making it magical. Like it's just, they just do an amazing job. Uh, yeah, I agree. And and the other thing was you, you mentioned your daughter being involved in theater, and my daughter is also involved in theater. Um, one of them, and the other one's in dance. But um, I'm like, I, I really need to talk to this guy more because it's going to be stuff that you know you can connect with and um, have common, you know, common stories. So uh, looking forward to chatting with you. We'll, we'll we'll talk more. I the thing I don't know much about is uh, your you know experience with the lean six sigma but i do want to help people to understand what that is um again we'll get into that you have a career though that spans so much it's like a who's who of stops that you've had throughout your career um and maybe just way way back how did you first get connected to the custom integration industry and the you know at the start, were you a, a, a person that was interested in tech? Did it just happen coincidentally that you got a sales job in the business? It, you know, different stories for different people. So I was just curious how you originally got connected. Yeah, it's uh, and so it spans multiple states as well. So I originally grew up in Michigan, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, and I was in car stereo. So okay. I was interested in car stereo throughout school, uh, high school. And of course, back then we found out all the information in magazines because the internet didn't exist. And that led me to a vocational school in Florida that actually offered a certification. So I'm very passionate about the vocational schools and I like what CD is doing mm. for our industry. And that could be a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Um, that got me a job as an installer. And the second place I worked at sold custom integration. They were, they were, the store was called Classic Stereo and Video. So they're very retail focused, but they sold high-end car audio installation systems, um, cars that went to competitions. And then they did a lot in the custom integration space at the time. And during one of our events, uh, a vendor from JL Audio came and afterwards took us all out to dinner and paid for it. I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't know this guy traveled from Florida, came to our little event and took us all out to dinner. Like, I didn't realize there was a career behind it. And so that's what kind of got me started on the path. Wow. Okay. So that's interesting. And then um, you... Um unlike me who gets a job and just like sinks his teeth in and doesn't leave and then gets to a point in his career and doesn't know how to find a job. You've got this knack for hitting on different areas of the industry. And, um, what, what is it that, uh, kind of drives your, your choices there? Um, not to get too in the weeds with, you know, didn't like that place, change jobs, whatever. But are, are you the type of personality that just, um, likes to have change and constant, you know, new challenges or, um, what, what were those, some of those reasons for moving into different areas of the industry, different companies? Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely don't like sitting still. I like being challenged and I like learning more. So after college, um, I went to go work for audio controls and national sales trainer. So that took me from Michigan to Seattle, Washington or Mount Lake Terrace. And I was their national trainer for two years. 
And while it was it was great and I learned a lot and made lots of connections, I was just ready to to do something different. And anytime I've looked at a job change, um, you know, you see this a lot in our industry where people go work for the competitor of where they were just were because it's easy to make that leap. And I've never tried to do that. I've always tried to go to something completely different that I could learn. And so I went from audio control back to the vocational school that got me into the industry. And I was an instructor there for about two years, which was very rewarding um, because I was able to teach others what I had learned and how I got to where I was at when I was in their shoes. That's great. So that really does lead us to um, your current work and being someone who can teach and guide folks uh, in, in a specific uh, skill set. Um, where did it, maybe we, we can explain what Lean Six Sigma is um, and then how it is that you went to do the training maybe um, would be the next step. So what is Lean Six Sigma? Lean Six Sigma is really just a methodology of removing waste from a process to become more efficient. So it's a set of tools that you use. And I was first exposed to it. Um, I was at JL Audio for 10 years and their production manager came from Bose and he was a Lean Six Sigma black belt. And he developed all of their assembly lines based on those principles. So if you've ever been to their factory, it's a very streamlined process. Everything from parts are on casters so that when they're making a run of specific speakers, they move the parts to the assembly line to increase efficiencies. And I always thought, wow, um, how come this can't be used in the office side of things? Not that JL Audio was chaotic in the office, but I saw that in a lot of the companies I've worked at. So that's when I first got exposed to it, but it wasn't until 2016 I decided to pursue that and get my certification for a green belt and then followed by a black belt. So you pursued it on your own? It wasn't um, a company-sponsored kind of situation at that time? No, yeah, I actually, absolutely. I pursued it on my own. I, I first, um, so that's when I got exposed to it. Uh, when I worked for Savant, um, my boss, Jim Koenig, gave me a book called The E-Myth Contractor, which I know a lot of people in our industry read. And that's when I kind of had a, a light bulb moment of what our you know integrators in our industry face, which is really common with a lot of entrepreneurs. And so then when I combined that with the Lean Six Sigma, that was when I had the bigger light bulb moment of like, here's the problem they have, but here's some tools that can help them solve that problem. Okay. And um, you, at, at some point, so what was your last um, role in uh, another company before you went out on your own to, to run your current business? So the last five years, I was at LK and Associates, which is a manufacturer's rep firm in Florida, and I was their director of sales and uh, and help manage some of the sales team and, and some of the brands that we we represented in Florida and Puerto Rico. So you got that experience of being a trainer, manufacturer's trainer. You um, you had a rep firm experience, which is probably my my blind spot, if you want to call it that, of how a rep firm really works. And you hear pros and cons of rep firms. And I, I'm, I'm all for, you know, my, my friends who are, are reps trying to help them, you know, succeed and, and feeling their pain when they hear, you know, company doesn't want to use rep firms anymore or something like that. So you've got a unique insight into being in that world. Um, you, uh, so you, you come at it from different perspectives where you understand the industry um, kind of in a broad sense and from different like uh, angles. Not a not an integrator ever. Well, you did work for an integration company early on, though. Um, so you've you've seen the inside of 
that business as well, not just working with them. Um, Correct. And so then what gave you the confidence though, then just that accum- the, the, the accumulation of all of that experience to say, now I feel like I can really just do this uh, as a consultant and to be able to use these principles. Um, that, that seems like a big, going from working for someone to working for yourself is, is a big step. Like um, what gave you the confidence to make that step? So it didn't happen overnight. Okay. <laughs> you know, we see we see people online that are successful at launching businesses and we don't see what it took to get there. Yeah. So when I to earn my black belt, I'm rewinding the clock a little bit, but to earn my black belt, I had to basically work with a company and show that I could apply the techniques. And since Lean Six Sigma or Six Sigma follows a very statistical analysis, uh, it's very data driven, I had to actually show, you know, monetarily I could save them money. Mm. And so a friend of mine owned a local plumbing contracting business that had a very similar makeup to an integration firm. It had six trucks on the road, 20 employees, and they did over $3 million a year. So we picked an area of their business where they, they knew it was broken and it was about an eighth month engagement. But in the end, I saved them about $50,000 and increased some efficiencies by 50%. And I walked away from that experience, really understanding that, you know, this is what our industry could could learn from, right? There were some really, I wouldn't say simple tools. They're really practical and common sense approach, but of course you got to have the willingness to change. Mm-hmm. And so I published a, a case study on LinkedIn back in like 2018 when I finished and that started getting some interest in our industry. And that led to two speaking engagements in the spring of 2019, one with ProSource, one with Azione. And after I finished at Azione, someone walked up to me, an integration firm that said, I need to hire you. And I said, how can I help? And they said, I need to get what's in my head on the paper so my company understands how the company functions. Mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of had the first light bulb moment. Um, and that proceeded with other companies, mainly during the pandemic, because everybody was so focused on all the change in their business. They knew that updating processes and really visualizing how their company runs was the solution. They remembered I was the guy that kind of talked about that. And it was always the same same problem I was solving. I have to get what's in my head or out of my employee's head to help optimize my software or, you know, to help my project management team. And over the last couple of years, that just kind of continued to grow. And I just decided it was, you know, if I was going to do this full time, then now was kind of the time. So do you find that when you're taking that specific example of taking out of the head into the, you know, company that you're, you're basically writing processes with the owner or the, the principal of the company, creating these things that can be shared, or is it just setting up tools like software tools and management tools that you, you have, but you're not really using properly and making those more efficient um, uh, for the company and training everyone to use them, um, all of the above? Um, it, it's a little all of the above. So when I first approached it with the first client, um, again, I went back to some of the tools we learned, we used in Lean Six Sigma. And the on the other side of it, the challenge that I always saw with companies that were trying to document processes is they would have an area that is suffering. And so then they would grab a blank sheet of paper and create a checklist or standard operating procedure to try and fix that problem. And then that document would go away somewhere. And then another fire would arise and they would write up another document and they would end up with this folder of documents that weren't really tied together. 
and there was no structure to them. So they were capturing information, but it wasn't really a tool. So I took the approach of first creating a visual representation of the process. Um, 65% of adults are visual learners. So when they see something visually, they instantly connect and then use that as a roadmap to create what I call supporting documentation. So that's the, the standard operating procedures and checklists. And that's what turned into the product that I offer. Um, the other thing, what we do is we're not just capturing the process on how it's happening. We use a technique in Lean Six Sigma called value stream mapping. And value stream mapping is where you identify the current state of a process, how it's happening currently, look at it to decide which steps are wasteful or which steps are advancing the process, and then designing a future state of how you want it to happen. And so again, rooted in Lean Six Sigma is removing waste from a process. So when I when we develop a visual workflow in real time, we're capturing what's happening and improving it and then creating a plan to standardize it within the company. Okay. So then when you work with, um, let's say when we were at ASIO and I heard, you know, learned that you were one of their coaches that they had chosen for these different uh, groups and you'd been working with um, ASIO in a different way they, they they've evolved their process of um having these these calls that you can go on with a with a professional that helps kind of coach you through an issue or um just be supportive um so how is that kind of role different you know you're not going into the depth that you would with a client going into their operation and help them with all these procedures um how are you able to coach with these groups um and offer advice that's not necessarily just revamping their whole business. Like what, what, how do you see that working out for you or how has it worked in the past? Yeah. Great question. When, when a client engages with me, it's usually kind of revamp, not necessarily their whole business, but they're, they want to get a view of their entire business to see where they can make improvements on the coaching calls. It's a group setting. So you have um, companies of different sizes and you have owners and operations folks and install techs. And they're usually just bringing a very specific area of the business where they're challenged. So I, you know, my goal is then to really try to figure out what is the bottleneck, do some root cause analysis and figure out how they, we can remove waste from that little area. So it could be something as simple as my technicians aren't clocking in, you know, they're logging, they're not logging their hours appropriately versus where I focus on the entire business. So we just try to drill in in more detailed areas. And of course, I don't nice I don't necessarily like to take the approach of like well, you're doing it wrong this is the right way to do it I like to collaboratively you know together look at it um, and find out from the other members that are in the group you know what's working for you what's not working for you and and try to figure out where the root cause of the problem is yeah so you're serving more as a moderator in that case and uh, you've had enough experience seeing successful um, solutions that you can then sort of step in and go, well, that one sounds like it would be a good fit for you or whatever it is, you know? Um, yep. And, and it seems like, um, there are a lot of common threads and challenges that you, you hear businesses, you know, some are so much more sophisticated and far along in their process than others. And, um, some just, just need a little help here and there, but, um, have you found common, um, challenges that you've, you can maybe share with us that are not giving away your secret sauce of helping companies and earn a living for your company, but just general observations of things that in, that companies in our industry could be doing better, just kind of right out of the gate. Yeah, there's there's three major ones that stick out that I find in common with most of my clients, and so 
The first one is training and onboarding employees. So typically, and this happens in other industries, but you know, let's use the example of we're going to hire this project manager that's got 15 years of experience. You know, other than HR training and setting up all of those things, they go do job shadowing on job on projects to figure out how to work within the company. And then six months goes by and the owner might say, man, they brought all their bad habits with them. And so with the tools that I provide, you can actually train them how to do that job in your company, right? You don't need to, you don't need to train them how to do project management. That's why you hire them, hopefully, but you need something to train them how to do the job in your company. And so when you have a visual tool or some sort of training and onboarding program where you can take them through how that project goes through the company, that's going to give them an environment to ask questions about those little details, that gray area, that if you don't, those turn around and become bad habits later. And so you could use that same scenario for salespeople, technicians. Um, that's what happens. So that's one of the big problems. So with the work that I do, we help everybody understand everyone's role, even in the companies where a salesperson is project managing and wearing a lot of hats. This visualization exercise really helps everybody understand what they're responsible for. The second one I find is software. So the goal of software is to make your business more efficient. And so as these companies grow and hire more employees, they need a CRM system, a project management system, something outside of QuickBooks. And they're just quick to find whatever, you know, the people in their buying group are using. And never are they looking at their process first to figure out how the software fits within their process. So I've been hired by companies to come in and map things out because they spend a year trying to onboard some new piece of software and it's costing them more money. Um, I had one client that after an initial engagement, scrapped their software and went and pursued new software because once they could see things visually, it actually opened their eyes to all the workarounds they had created just so they could make the software work for them. So that one is a very, very big one. Um, and then the last one is really just creating transparency for the company. A lot of companies I engage with, when I talk to the technicians, I'll say, what would make your job easier? And they would say, knowing what's happening, knowing about a project instead of just showing up for pre-wire. And so when you have like some sort of visual documentation or some standards in place, like something as simple as a project kickoff meeting. So once the project gets signed, meeting with the team so everybody understands, we just close, close this project, here are the timelines, you know, create an environment for the text to say, stop using mounts, you know, ABC because they're spent, they're taking us more time to install the TVs at the site. Let's use these mounts um, versus when you don't have that opportunity, those problems just keep continue continuing through the project. And, you know, the more you can catch things on a project up front, you're going to minimize problems later because you're always going to have issues at the job site from the GC or the client, um, you know, that are out of your control. But a lot of companies struggle to control what they can control in the beginning, which just compounds the problems later on. So those are, so, you know, job training, software, and transparency are really the three, the three main issues that I think a lot of companies face, regardless of the size. Today's episode of Residential Tech Talks is brought to you by NICE, the global manufacturer of smart home security and building automation solutions. NICE is bringing together 30 years of innovation with award-winning products from Elan, Speakercraft, and Panamax to create a holistic ecosystem for builders, integrators, and consumers. Learn more about how you can create one home with one solution at go.niceforyou.com backslash RTT.
The uh, the transparency one kind of reminds me of uh, at ASEAN when Richard Glykes was talking about um, working with the the next level employees um, beyond the owners and principals, and then teaching technicians a bit more about how an integration business works. And it seems strange to say it that way, but not really understanding how their role maybe affects you know revenue and that type of thing, and just things that maybe an owner would be a little more protective of thinking I don't need to overshare, but just if they knew here's what this efficiency is going to um, do to, you know, our, our ability to make money and, you know, be, be more successful. So it seems like that's, that kind of fits into that idea of, of transparency. Absolutely. And if you remember, um, I forgot her name I think it was Tiffany that did the keynote. She spoke on a very similar note, but it was more along the lines of being vulnerable, yes. right? Kind of exposing what's going on within the company. And I think we're just in a different age and time where like protecting that knowledge has a negative effect on your employees because they're going to start to assume things on their own. So I think you, I think you do have to be transparent. Yeah. And uh, I, I was curious then how, how long when you work with a client um, that process is, are you doing um, a combination of Zoom call type meetings and in person is it all virtual um how long is that um that process usually yeah great question so i'm doing a combination of both actually tomorrow i'm doing an in-person uh event down here in south florida in west palm beach with a new client so it's kind of the option of the client um there's a two-day workshop that i do but there is still about 60 days of virtual engagement after that to kind of help implement and finalize things but within two days they get kind of a 90% completed project. Mm. So if they're trying to move quickly for whatever their reason is, software adoption, employee training, they get their documentation quicker. And in that engagement, um, there's a lot more enthusiasm from the team because they're really contributing on building this future process. Uh, but I, then I also do it virtually, um, which some clients prefer because of location or cost. That's usually a what takes two days in person takes about six to eight weeks, depending on if we meet every week or every other week. Um, and then again, it's another 60 days after that. So both, both engagements are probably about a 90 day engagement. Sometimes that goes longer just because circumstances change with projects and, and, and other issues that pop up, but it's usually a 90 day engagement. And then some clients hire me for additional areas because my typical Typical offering is something I call the client journey, which is a 10,000 foot view of the business. And that, that gives you the overall view of how a project flows through the company and all the documentation for those milestones. Um, but some companies like to get exploded views of other areas like engineering, pre-wire, trim. Um, it just depends on what the goals are and what they're looking to achieve. That's uh, really impressive to me that in two days that you can really get the ball rolling with them. I mean, I guess if you're really concentrating and they're focused on this being two days, an intensive two days um, of getting to the root causes of, of the issue and setting up solutions that that you can get a lot done in, in two days. But it, that kind of surprised me in a, a little bit uh, that it was that quick. And then you get... Yeah, I, I think part of that's because you have a third-party person coming in to moderate the conversation. Whereas if you tried to take that on yourself, at some point, it's going to get heated or spiral out of control. Um, whereas I can help guide the conversation and we have, whether I do it in person or virtually, um, you know, in person, I create a template 
customized to their company. And we use post-it notes to identify the milestones. So it's very interactive. I do the same thing digitally. It's just less interactive, but I have digital post-it notes. And really for the first time, most companies are visualizing their process and talking out loud about, yeah, this is really how we do it. And usually there's all these little light bulb moments that go off about things that weren't even their concern in the beginning, but they said, oh yeah, you know what? We need to talk about that too, because that's a problem as well. And it's, it's usually very productive and it's a very healthy conversation. Have well, you ever been stumped by any yeah, um, uh, challenges that a company is facing? Anything that you weren't, you hadn't experienced before? Is it all fairly common? It's all fairly common. Um, the only time I get stumped, as you, as you pointed out, I've never ran an integration firm. I spent some time working for one. So when someone gets extremely detailed about some of the operations internally, I you know that's just outside my wheelhouse, and I'm I'm always quick to say. You know, that's not me, um, but I do know other coaches and consultants that specialize that. And I'm always happy to pass them over if, if that's something that they need to uh, to you know dive deeper into. And uh, one of the areas that keeps coming up in buying group meetings is the concept of EOS and having, um, you know, that kind of a system. And I, uh, it even came up with our keynote speaker, T Tiffany, who you just referenced and how that was where they found her as an EOS um meeting um, where she was a guest uh, speaker and she uses that system for running her company, which is a marketing company. Um, so uh, how do you see that fitting in, uh, in terms of how a company has run after, you know, getting things figured out? Yeah. So I get that question a lot. I actually was texting with a potential new client the other day and they said, oh, so you're just like EOS, you're a replacement. And no, not exactly. So EOS is made up of six core components. Um, I'm not sure if you can see them, but I have one or, one or two of their books behind me. I've read them all and I'm a huge fan of okay. it. Um, EOS is intense. Yeah. It's, it's a big investment financially. It's a big investment emotionally because change behavior has to happen throughout your organization. So of those six components, process is one of them. And with EOS, they go very light on process. They have you document 20% of the processes that produce 80% of the results, which makes complete sense. Mm -hmm but it's really only documented from a written format. So I go deeper and actually can create a visual of those 20% processes um, and then go even deeper than what your implementer would do. Mm. And I have many clients that um, run on EOS and I have EOS implementers actually refer to me to other clients because I kind of run in parallel with what they're doing. Okay. That's cool. That that's good to hear. You know, um, just because it, it seems, and I, I have been to kind of an introductory EOS meeting um, on behalf of the buying group, one of the buying groups, and uh, so I I got to learn about the process, and uh, and it makes a lot of sense. And I I'm I'm happy to hear it kind of complements what you do, and the two can kind of work in tandem. Um, so uh, you've done a lot of work with. Uh, Obviously, I mentioned Azion, and, and you mentioned ProSource uh, guest. And I, I'm pretty sure I must have seen you speak at, at one of those a while back, and it's just now kind of clicking with me that it was your presentation because I that that I, I think it was ProSource that when you said it, I'm like yeah, now I remember remember that one. It it all starts to blur together, you know, after enough years go by. Um, right. But uh, what what have been some of the classes that you've um, been able to teach? Like, how do you pr present it as a class, uh, as opposed to, you know, a consulting opportunity or coaching, you know, one-on-one -on -one type of thing? So I have, uh, I've taught, I have a class called Does Your Workflow that I taught at CEDIA originally in 2019. Um, 
I then taught it virtually in 2020 because of the pandemic. And then I was actually able to go back this year for the first time and teach it again in person, both times over 60 attendees. And I actually, I teach what I do. Uh, I'm not afraid to give away a little bit of knowledge because I know that I've always had kind of the notion that if I can teach you how to use these tools and it helps your business, that's great for the industry. If you realize that it's too hard or you don't have time, you'll come back to me. And that's always been my philosophy. Um, there's some special things about the way I create virtual process maps that are just, it's hard to teach, mm -hmm. but I teach how I do documentation. I teach how I use the Six Sigma tools to do documentation. And then um, I've spun off other versions of that. And we've done some workshops at ASEAN where we'll just do process documentation, like literally written documents or SOPs and not get into the visual workflow. So again, I, I teach exactly how I do things and work with my client. And I, I just think that's the right approach. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I guess just to kind of wrap up, if folks were kind of interested in, in approaching you, um, what are you? Um, what are your requirements for a client? Do you um, you take anyone that comes your way, or do you have to sort of have some standards and say, "Wait, well, you, you got to get it together a little bit more before we get started." So maybe before they reach out to you, what do you, what do you kind of look for from a good client that you want to work with? Hey, great question. Uh, so I, I have clients that have been as small as three employees and to my largest client that has over 55 employees with three locations and I have clients around the globe. Uh, so from that perspective, it's pretty wide. The biggest thing is you have to have a willingness to commit to change. Um, it, that's really the hardest part because we're actually going to document things on how you want them to happen. And it's going to, it's going to require change and, and it has to come from the top down, right? If the owner is even if they're willing to invest in my services, but then not walk the walk, it's just not, it's not going to happen with the rest of the employees. Right. Um, but I usually do introductory calls to find out, you know, what their challenges are. And there's been quite a few clients who, you know, I show them a, the workflow that I develop and their head kind of explodes and they're like, we're not there okay. yet. And I'm happy to give them advice on what they should do before they come to me. But most of the time, um, these companies have been around long enough. They just hit this plateau and that plateau is they're operating out of their head. And so I help them shift from operating out of their head into a systemized process. That's great. Well, I, I think, um, your work could be used a lot in this industry and you could help a lot of companies. So, um, continue doing a great job and, um, congrats, congrats so far. Hope it uh, continues to be successful and more people learn about your business. I appreciate your time. No, I appreciate that. Yeah. I've, I've actually started branching out into other markets. So I'm working with a solar company. Mm. I've worked with some roofing and window companies um, because the same, the same challenges apply to all business owners that start a business and get to a point where they're plateau. So it's a, it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. Well, we'll uh, I'll continue to watch your progress on, on LinkedIn as I have. And thanks for liking things that I post and <laughs> making me feel heard. So that's good. And uh, I, um, I, I enjoyed talking to you today. Yeah, likewise. Let's stay in touch. Jason Sayan is founder of I Am Sayan. You can learn more about this company at IamSayan.com. And that wraps up today's show, which was produced by Residential Tech Today, IPW, and Pretty Easy Podcast. Please check out prettyeasypodcast.com if you want professional and affordable production help on your own podcast. And if you're new to Residential Tech Talks, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you watched or listened to this episode. Also, check out all the latest residential tech news at our magazine's website, restechtoday.com, where you can also subscribe to the print or digital magazine and to our 
Tuesday and Thursday email newsletters. Until next time, please stay safe, stay inspired, and let us know if you have a great story to tell. This show was produced by Pretty Easy Podcasts and made possible by listeners like you. If you ever thought of doing your own podcast, please visit prettyeasypodcasts.com.